0: You're listening to Just a Pinch Podcast with Injector Kristen. Join me and industry experts as we discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of the aesthetics, wellness, and fitness industries. So I'm super excited for this episode of Just a Pinch podcast with Injector Kristen. I have the beautiful and talented and intelligent and checks all the boxes Allison Capra on with me today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so Allie and I met back in
1: 2014. Was it? Yeah, 2014. When was he in the city, 2014 yep, I met you the same year as I met Nick, my husband yes, Nick.
0: Absolutely. So yeah, so I flew out to Kansas City, Missouri, Allie's hometown, and did yes. a tactical pistol course uh, with her now husband's um, company was uh, survival tactical systems at the time, STS, and had yes. a fantastic weekend, met super cool people. And I mean, we clearly hit it off enough. Here we are in twenty twenty two still, keep it on, keep it on. So Allie and Nick, just for a little background, um, super into fitness, wellness, um, just being strong, important, good people. So just being the most well-rounded, good people. That's the best, the best way I can do it is be a good person. And that's what you guys are doing. You guys are checking off all the boxes on, on just not being waste of space in this society.
1: That is, that is accurate. <laughs> I think that's probably my, one of my number one goals. Don't yes. take up space.
0: <laughs> exactly. Don't just be an oxygen sucker. <laughs> uh, yeah. So one of the main reasons I really wanted to have you on is, you know, not just to go over, you know, your fitness journey because you've had a heck of a journey and many different side journeys off of that but I am so just impressed with your overall mental toughness and ability to commit to things and I think that that is a huge piece of where people in all walks of life really struggle with whatever goals they're trying to achieve is that mental toughness and that commitment. And I think that you are just absolutely kicking ass and taking names when it comes to your commitment to things.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Well, you know, it does take a, it really does take a a ton, you know, to do all the things that you want to do with your life. And I can say for the first, probably 15 years of my adulthood, I wasn't I was just taking up space and probably making life worse for a lot of people and, you know, just being kind of wild. And all I really cared about was having fun. And so it was like whatever I could do to have more fun was like, that was the goal. So when did uh, when think, did, you know, as really I got a little bit, a old, yeah, I think really, as I got a little bit older, I started to take myself a little bit more seriously. Nick and I've had this conversation, I think. As a young person, I really kind of like idolized like all the fun, rowdy women that were in front of us in the 90s. And I just mm-hmm. like wanted to be one, <laughs> one of them. Yeah. One of my my favorite books by um, Elizabeth Wurzel. She, she also did Prozac Nation, but she did a book called Praise of Bitch, Praise of Difficult Women. And it was just like about how kind of all the characters that were put in front of us in the 90s and how we kind of like, even the crazy ones, even like Lorena Bobbitt and shit. We like, we like, like put them on a pedestal and idolize the scenarios. And like, it was just something I was just wanted to have fun. And so I did. And that was kind of like my whole entire goal in my early twenties and into my thirties. And so as I got a little older and time kind of started to catch up with me and I started to look older and feel older. And I was like, I think I need to do something different. I don't think my life can revolve around just like partying and my looks anymore. I think I got to go to a different direction.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. You say that. I feel like a lot of us do reach a certain age and it's a different age for everybody where you really take an inventory of your life and yourself, and you realize how much more is needed on a deeper level and making yourself just a better person, Uh, a better person to be, to yourself and to be to your family and your friends and to just be more helpful as a human being and to live a more valued life.
1: And it makes you go, okay, like, wow, I wasted a lot of time. Like I look back and I'm like, gosh, dog, I, th- I feel like I wasted a lot of time just like yeah. chasing like love and attention and all these yeah. things. But ultimately like it taught me a lot about myself and kind of getting to where I am now to, to, kind of go through all that mm-hmm. and and kind of have to having to figure everything out the hard way, you know. But yeah, here I am.
0: Here you it's are right. kicking this ass. This is and my third names. marriage. Third What's marriage. That? Third that's so impressive to me. Third one and the best one, right? Let's hope
1: so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well you guys are a heck of it a feels team. Like the best one. Yeah, you guys are a heck of a team. And I, I really look up to you two as a couple um, for just how balanced you guys seem to be together. And like, you're clearly a team. It's not you versus him and you living your life and him living his, and you guys trying to just make it work together. It's like every day seems to be intertwined together and not in a weird codependent way, but in just a genuine supportive team. And everything you guys do together seems to be out of love and out of a common goal of making each other better.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's kind of one of the things I think that's like now the key component that I like anybody who asks me like, okay, well, what do you, what do you think about relationships or what do you, you know, what do you, what is your, you've been married three times. What do you have to say about? And I, and honestly, the only thing I can tell people is that because I don't have any expert advice (laughs) other than find somebody who is just as like obsessed with working on themselves and bettering themselves as you are. And if you find that person that's just as interested in like being self-aware and being like the best version of themselves, really like it never stops changing and evolving and and growing. You know, I think probably the hardest part about getting in a relationship when you're young, because I got married the first time at 19. Wow. I think, yeah, I think the hardest part of getting married and being like in a relationship that's serious when you're that young is, is that you grow up together. Yes. And if you don't grow together, then you'll grow apart. Mm -hmm. So like, I mean, and you could say that, I guess for any age, really, truly like people who get married at 30 can grow so dramatically over like the 30 to 40 that like, if you're not growing in the same direction, you're really not going to make it. i read some statistics somewhere.
0: I don't even know if it's true or not, but I like the idea of it. It seems to make sense is that we change a lot about who we are and our brains change a lot over about a seven year time period. And every seven years, we kind of go through these, you know, different reemergences and what's important to us and what path and direction we're taking. I know that I am a drastically different person today than I was seven years ago. And seven years from that, I'll probably be very different seven years from now. And not to say that you're not being genuine to yourself, but your goals change. And I think that that changes your direction.
1: A hundred percent. And, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't, I don't, personally think it matters if you guys are going necessarily in the same exact direction like if you guys have two different goals and two different lives that you really kind of want to live mm-hmm. it, as long as you're growing together even if the direction's different I think yeah. it can still evolve and work so for us it's been cool because we really kind of you know he was married before too so I think we really kind of took like, like you said, sort of like stock and like, okay, this is valuable to me and I've messed this up before. So, how do I not mess this one up? You know, Definitely. and kind of ask yourself those hard questions and then ask each other hard questions as well.
0: Yeah, you have to person. really determine what's what do you want to do differently and what's still super important to you.
1: Yeah. So that's kind of what we spent the first uh, 5 years doing. <laughs> Just like <laughs> trying to figure out well, if we were serious and if it would work and and if yeah. we and then how to keep it working. So that's that's where we're at. I thought it was really
0: neat watching the evolution of your relationship, because I don't feel like either of you entered in the relationship with the goals of like, oh, can't wait to get married. Can't wait to do this again. And it just truly evolved that way, but slowly and with time. And like your relationship was given the time and the grace to proceed at the speed that it needed to without either of you forcing anything in any which way.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think we both thought it was just gonna be like a fling, like a one night <laughs> stand or like a like quick little thing. Yeah. But we just kept talking and kept hanging out. And then he's like, I think you should move here. And then he's like, I, I think you should move closer. And then I think you should stay. And then <laughs> so it did. It was really, really, really slow. We got to the point where it was like, you know, he has two daughters. They're now like 16 and 21. And, you know, at the time they were eight and 12 when we met. Mm -hmm. And so um, meeting them and getting to know them and stuff like we'd been together for like two years and they knew me before he told them we were dating, you know, Mm -hmm. like and they were like, yeah, dad, no shit. Like, obviously we see her all the time. (laughs) Of course you're dating. What are you talking about? Like, it was just one of those things. Like we thought we were being like, oh, we're just friends. And we're just going to keep it really light and low key. And they were like, obviously that's your girlfriend.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, they're funny. You can't pull anything over on kids. I'm telling you.
1: (laughs) No. Now, how old is your
0: little one now? Because now you guys have a beautiful little baby boy together.
1: Yes, we do. So Um, Right after Nick had his youngest daughter, so she's 16, he got fixed. Mm -hmm. And so he was not, that's another thing. Like he was not planning on having any more kids. And I was like, this guy isn't the guy because he can't have any kids. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we were both just like, we're just going to have fun and ride this out. I don't think this (laughs) is the thing. This is the one because I was like, I definitely want to have a kid someday. And he was like, yeah, I'm all done having kids. So we uh, got together and we're dating and everything. And we had like, after being together for about two years, I think we sort of had that talk, like, so the kid thing, like, Mm -hmm. you know, what's the deal here? And we really didn't even know what the options would be. Um, I really did want to have a kid and uh, I knew he couldn't cause he was fixed, but we talked to a couple that was like, Hey, so just FYI, like we had the same thing going on that you guys do. He had a vasectomy as well. And we did this other procedure mm-hmm. and it's called the Tessie procedure. You es- essentially get sperm from above your vasectomy. So yeah. it's from your epididymis and they like draw it out mm-hmm. and then when, cause I guess when you have a vasectomy, you still create sperm. It just dissolves. Yep. Yeah. Every your your plumbing's gone. Yeah. <laughs> so the pipes are all, are blocked off. so yes. <laughs> They can extract it, but it isn't mature. And mm-hmm. so like one of the number one things with, you know, sperm's quality is mobility. Yes. They check. That's like the first thing they check. Well, if you get them immature, they do not swim at all. Mm-hmm. they just float <laughs> until, they, <laughs> until they dissolve. So when you extract them like that, you have to do IVF. So immediately we had to do like full-blown ICSI, like IVF, put the sperm yep. directly into the egg. So did the whole shebang. And it was like a whole ordeal, but it was so cool. Cause it's like, I learned so much doing oh, the whole yeah. process. And you know, now I'm like to anybody, I'm like, how old are you? 24. Go freeze your eggs. Yep. (laughs) Everybody needs to freeze their eggs. Everybody needs to keep them on ice and make sure that they're healthy. Cause I did not fully grasp how much the quality of your eggs starts to change once you hit 35 and it just starts to like, it's crazy. Our eggs get dusty, you know? Right. So it's totally possible to get pregnant after 35, but obviously, but they say like, it's really important to, to make sure you have the healthiest embryo possible. So I'm always telling people go freeze your eggs. But the thing is, is that not only that, they also say like, if you are 50, the chances of you getting pregnant are 75%. If you have a healthy embryo, Wow! So like you could literally get pregnant at any age if you're able to supply healthy embryos. Mm -hmm. So that's like the most important part. So we've done several, several egg retrievals and frozen. So we have a couple eggs on ice now, or actually not eggs, embryos, fully like our sperm egg together, ready to go to do it again. But we do, we have a two-year-old and he's actually almost two and a half and he is like Absolutely. I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> somebody would have told me, like, when I, I mean, I'm sure somebody probably did, but if I would have started having kids in my 20s, I don't know if I would have stopped. Just as much flop. as I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, as much as I, as I, you know, I'm so thankful that I waited because I was just like a, a waste of space in my 20s. I'm so glad I waited because I'm so much more mature. I also think if I would have started earlier, I don't think I would have stopped because I love it so much. It is like so rewarding and so rich and just so cool to have a person that is like every little part of you and, and the best parts of both. It's just cool. Yeah. Oh, That's awesome. So, Nick I'm enjoying, enjoying having
0: his first boy.
1: Yes. He's like, this is so weird. They're so different. Raising boys and girls is so
0: different. The ability to make engine noises, like every single one of them come out of the womb, able (laughs) to make like gun and engine noises.
1: (laughs) And I'm like, where the heck did you hear that from? Like, I don't understand. You're making like full gun sounds that you've never played for you before.
0: Yep. They just know how to do it. And like, they're like bulls in China shops. And my nephew is like always covered with bruises. He's just like walking around with like constant head <laughs> injuries, I swear. Just head first into everything. Fact. Just roots <laughs> <laughs> so I really like seeing um, on your social media all the time is how much Dimitri loves to model after you guys when it comes to just movement and fitness and jujitsu you guys are both really big into brazilian jujitsu which is amazing such a fantastic humbling thing to get involved with Um, and in what ways do you guys do your your balance with your your exercise um, regimens and routines and scheduling now
1: So it's really cool because we are, because we, you know, we own a gym that we actually closed down during COVID and we made it private. Mm -hmm. So now we just have our own gym for us and our staff, which obviously not everybody has that, but like, even if you're able to get a little bit of workout equipment for your own home gym and make a personal setup for yourself, it is like absolutely imperative. I personally believe to have something like that. At your disposal, whether it's in your garage or in your apartment, something with like, like a little bit of workout equipment, right? Because yeah. for us, like we're so busy, and then with having a toddler and everything, like I have to be able to do it at any point of the day. Definitely. Like sometimes it's like literally right before I go to bed. I'm like, shit, <laughs> I've got 40 minutes. I got to yep. get it done right now. Get it in. And it's where like you nine can. o'clock or whatever. Food, yes. So, like, that's like the staple. But then it really just became like absolutely a goal for me to make it a part of his life, or you know, Dimitri's life, so that he Mm -hmm. is just like one hundred percent, like this is what we do. This is this is who we are. Like, this is our identity. We are people that care about our health and our fitness. So I said, no matter what, I am going to make this my number one goal. Um, I think, you know, for everybody's different, right? Like for some people they work out because they want to look good naked. That's Mm -hmm. like the most important thing, right? For me, I always worked out. I've been working out since I was 16 years old. I've been lifting weights and like training since I was 16 years old, but I never really had a why to like, push myself to be the best version of myself. Mm -hmm. And once I had Dimitri, once I like literally gave birth, I remember thinking immediately, I have to be freaking like, a hawk. I have to be on point. I have to be the best version of myself because if anybody is to try to harm us or hurt us or whatever, I want to be able to protect him myself because Nick travels a lot and things like that. And I have to be able to protect my family, protect myself. And like that became like the blaring why for me, like not only do I want him to see me as the best version of myself, my son, like it's so imperative to me that he sees me as the best version of myself. But I also want to be able to protect him like any means necessary. So I know like you know, because we did it together, like the the way I met Nick, my husband, is because we were trying to, you know, learn basically just like self-defense, basic bare bones of concealed carry and how yeah. to shoot, move and communicate, all that. Well, then I went on to the next level and we did, you know, long range long gun training, training between pistol and rifle. I've done all those courses with him, mm-hmm. but that doesn't do shit. If you don't have a rifle on you, it doesn't mean <laughs> it doesn't do shit. If you're not carrying a gun. Exactly. And then on top of that, if you can't run away from somebody that's like attack you, then what good are you yep. to yourself? And run with your, your child on back. your hip and in your arms, carrying a load, you know? right and it's like even more than that it took me to the next level because like i know like a lot of times people think about that whole element of like okay i'm a mama bear i'm i'm a fierce mama bear and i if anybody fucks with my kid i'm gonna like rip them apart and all this stuff well like obviously that whole sense just like comes over you once you become a mom like Even if you're raising, like I raised my stepkids too, is like, I felt that with them as well. But like, this was like a new sense of like, I am the only person that is solely responsible for this creature. Yeah. So like, I have to do the very best to be alert, aware, present, you know, um, I really stopped drinking a lot. Like I'll drink occasionally once in a blue moon, but honestly, that was like part of my life. I drank a lot, like all the time, like not a ton of alcohol, but I would drink frequent. Mm-hmm. And it like made me realize like, I don't want to be somebody who is tipsy or drunk If something cracks off. And I've got my kid and I'm like having cocktails yeah. at a dinner and I'm yep. just like sloppy. Exactly. <laughs> you know I want what I mean? Like, logo weekends. Right. <laughs> 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 That's something that we should show a picture of. I wish we had oh my video God. from that stuff. I'm oh my telling God. you. <laughs> But that kind of stuff, like, obviously you're no longer, um, uh, a- a- available to react, respond anything. Exactly. So like all these women, I have girlfriends who say that kind of stuff all the time. Like if anybody ever messed with my kid, I could move a car and I would, you know, beat somebody's ass. It's like, well, no, you wouldn't. Cause you're fat and out of shape exactly. and you can't keep up with like yourself. You can't like mm-hmm. run on a treadmill, much less run away from as like an active shooter scenario. Yep. So it became like honestly my goal, my most important um my why to he became my why and to be the best version of myself both physically, mentally. And then just like tactically everything, I wanted to be able to defend myself and my child. So I started doing jujitsu six months postpartum and it was so hard. I I thought I was (laughs) going to die. I remember my first class, like I literally, this girl like just was smashing the shit out of me. And I thought like, okay, if I just lay here flat, she'll stop <laughs> at some point, right? Like if I just base out and lay my fat butt like just flat, she's got to stop. And I mean, I left there thinking like that was amazing. I have to do this every single day. Mm-hmm. So it just became my new normal. And I spent the next two years training every other day, jujitsu, and then the every other day weight training and just getting in the best shape of my life and making myself not a victim. And, and that's just been like, honestly, my goal.
0: And that's fantastic. And I really what you've been saying about that, you know, your child became your why for you getting as healthy and in shape and able bodied as you can from my outside view, I'm you know I'm not a mother. I see a ton of them in my life, and some women will use their children as their excuse and not their why. Um, so they use their child as their excuse for why they don't have time, or why they they're too tired, or why they can't. It's always their child is why they can't, and instead of why they can or why they need to. So you took that, that good stress, that maternal instinct of having that child and having that huge responsibility on your shoulders and it became your driving force and not your excuse.
1: Yes, exactly. And, and, And I can't, I can't like reiterate it enough. Like if you're not training under a high stress situation with male and female, alike people that are like actually attacking you then if that happens there's no way you'll be okay no no you're right. going to shut down <laughs> yeah exactly it's just there's no other way to put yourself in that circumstance besides putting yourself in that circumstance mm-hmm. and so learning how to breathe and really keep your cool in the most uncomfortable position possible is like a com- an art it's completely different than anything you can like simulate other yeah. than just doing it.
0: Yeah. It's, it's truly overcoming that fight or flight response and becoming in control of it and being able to still use your brain during that time and your body all while trying to still it have is, oxygen. Go to your brain.
1: <laughs> Exactly. And it is absolutely. I mean, it is absolutely awesome. I love it. So it helps because I love it. I always tell sure. my girlfriends like, you got to find something you love that you're going to stick with because if you don't love it, you're not going to stick with it. Right. Yeah. So obviously that's like, got to be a key component of it for you. Mm -hmm. But for me, for us, it is absolutely one of the best things I ever did. Not to mention, you know, like I never really felt like I fit in with other women Uh, growing up and everything. I just really didn't. Cause I just didn't really care about the things that they cared about. You know, mm-hmm. it was like growing up my girlfriends and stuff. Like, like I never really understood the things that they cared about. So it didn't really like, I didn't connect with them a lot. And it, I was always kind of a struggle cause I always felt a little bit like an outsider. And I wasn't one of those girls that was like, well, I just have so many guy friends. Like <laughs> I liked guys too, but like, I wasn't just like, hanging out with dudes all the time. I just yeah. felt a lot like an outsider. Even though I could like make friends anywhere I went, I didn't really feel like I connected on a like, you know, a, a really deeper level with yeah. a lot of people. And what was amazing is when I found jujitsu, like it, it absolutely blew my mind because the women who are interested in rolling around and getting sweaty and fighting each other <laughs> are my people.
0: Yep. I don't even know. <laughs> that's great. That's so good that you were able to find a community that you really felt that you could truly be a part of and really feel like yourself. And that's so important. And, you know, I've said that with the the couple of fitness episodes that I've done so far, every, everybody always comes back to saying, you need to find something that you love to do. You're not going to stick with it if you don't love it. And you have to get that mental fulfillment as well as physical.
1: Yeah, for sure. It has to be something that like, it matters to you more than just looking good naked. Exactly. Like like I said, that can't be your why. If that's your why, you won't stick with it. You won't go outside when it's cold outside and do Mm -hmm. burpees in the snow. Like if you just want to look good naked, that's not going to drive you to the next stage of like taking it to the next level. You won't be able to do that if that's your why. Your why has to be more serious than that. Whatever it is for you, I think, you know, for everybody, it's different for me, obviously th- my son is the huge component of it, but also just n- not being a target, not being a victim, not being somebody that's sloppy or like that. I, I literally could be ready for anything at any time. Yeah. Because
0: you have that confidence, you're going to exude that confidence and a predator may look at you and be like, uh uh-uh, uh, that ain't the one.
1: <laughs> right. Well, the I, one. I can tell you this. We had a cr- hold on one second. I'm going to open my blinds because it's getting dark in here. Hold on. See if that helps at all, maybe not. Maybe yeah. I don't know. No, it's good. Um. So, we had very sad, very, very sad situation. We have a, like a little, uh, local shop down the street that, um, I go to a lot. It's like a little like CBD dispensary. We don't, we don't still have weed legal here in North Carolina, but we have like little, you know, CBD shops, whatever. And so I went in there, um, and I had this thought before, Cause I typically don't really like to take Dimitri in places like that, just in case mm-hmm. it's like, who knows it's going to be in there, whatever. Yeah. So I, I had the thought to go drop him off to my mother-in-law first. So I went, called her, dropped him off over there and then went to this little hemp shop. Um, my friend works there. So I sat in there for with her for a little bit. We, we talked, hung out, I bought some stuff and I left. Uh, within six hours, I saw, um, an article like alert on my phone that somebody went in there literally two seconds after I walked out and stabbed her to death. Wow. Yeah. It was like, I was like trying to like wrap my head around it and see, like when I read the article, it was like just still a manhunt thing and they didn't say she was dead yeah and so i'm like and then they said the time and i was like i was just, just there. there and i looked at my receipt and it was literally the time that i was in there wow. so then i'm like what the hell so i'm like calling everyone that knows anything in our area i have two friends that are cops and i'm like mm-hmm. hey what's going on like is she dead is no you know my friend dead and and trying to get the scoop. And I, and I did, and I found out she did. He, he stabbed her to death, but literally it was just some wacko kid. There's like, I say kid, he was 21. He lived down the street from us. And he said he was hearing voices and stuff like that. And he went in with just a backpack on and asked her to come from behind the counter to help him with something. And then just started stabbing her just it a wasn't random act a, of
0: violence.
1: Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like no reason, no rhyme yeah. or reason. I think he did ask her for money from the register and then he, and then he killed her. So, wow. and this is what was crazy. It was the middle of the day. It was like 5 PM or something. Yeah. It was, you know, still daylight. Cause it was summertime. There was 75 people. Cause there's like a bar right there there's an ice cream shop there's like all these little touristy little shops right by it mm-hmm. all right there this dude comes running out covered in blood nobody sees it and she's laying in there until the next customer comes in oh my god and i'm like thinking like holy shit man like, first of all, who knows what she could have done? I have no idea if there's anything she could have done different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, other than just not come from behind the counter and tell mm-hmm. him to get the fuck out and like, because he was being weird. Right. But she was always just like that. She was like a big hippie. And so she was like one of those people that's always like inviting people. Oh, come back and use our bathroom. That's fine. Like yeah. she would have invited him in the back to let him use the, bathroom the best of people. She- Yeah, totally kind, totally sweet. And I'm just thinking, okay, so first of all, he walked there. So he had been there who knows how long. This is the other thing that she used to do that used to drive me crazy. And I used to tell her not to do it. She would sit out front because it was like a beautiful night or something. And Mm -hmm. like, there's so many people, she just liked to people watch. So she'd sit out front, right. And just sit in the chairs and, Wait for customers. Well, in my mind, I'm thinking if you sit out here, if anybody's watching you sit out out here, they know when you're alone because they see like people, they see you go in with a customer, help them. And then Mm -hmm. they see that the person leave. They know when you're alone. Yeah. So in my mind, this guy had to have been watching. He had to have been watching and seeing that I was in there with her Mm -hmm. and waiting for me to leave because. She was sitting outside when I got there. So I went in there and I left and it just like, honestly, that all I could think was, God, I'm so glad I took Dimitri to his grandma's one, because if I had had a toddler with me, it could have been a little bit different scenario. I could have been a little bit more of an easy target. Yep. To that exact thing, like I I try to always walk with intention when I am going somewhere. I don't try to be on my phone when I'm walking mm-hmm. in and out of my car into places. Like I just go where I'm going. If I need to get my phone out, I get inside, back mm-hmm. up to a wall, check my you know messages or whatever, and try not to be like and completely unaware doofus, right? Exactly. But I'm like. This is like, this happens all the freaking time. This just, we live in like the smallest freaking little town on an island on the beach. Like this kid is like, oh, just a wacko. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nothing that like anybody had any indication. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know if there's anything else she could have done to make herself less of a target. But I do know that if, if it was me in that position, I would have tried to have been the most aware version of myself. I could have been mm-hmm. and then prepared myself for anything like seeing all the photos of this kid after and everything. I'm like, he's just like a turd. Yeah. Like if, if somebody like that pulled a knife out on me, it well, for one, if I would have had a weapon, like a gun on me, it would have been a di- different story. Right. But like yeah. if I didn't and somebody's trying to attack me with a knife, I don't know exactly what I would have done. Yeah. So it's like, how do you get to that like level of preparedness other than training? Exactly. Like, you have to train. And just having your own, so, especially with jujitsu,
0: your body awareness, your body mechanics, knowing how to manipulate other people's limbs and bodies. It's huge. It's huge in self-defense. And I think that BJJ gives you more self-defense than any self-defense class that you could take or boxing or striking, like especially as a female You're not gonna punch your way out of a situation with an adult male. You're not going to, you know, whereas something like jujitsu, your size, size, of course, will still matter to some degree, but you at least now hold a chance at saving yourself or saving somebody else, or at least taking somebody down in a way that could save your life. Just a little bit more of a to create enough space.
1: Right. To create enough space for you to get away. Exactly. Not to be a, not to be a fucking hero or like Mm -hmm. do something cool. Like, uh, honestly, like we've taught, um, you know, at our gym there, they've done several self-defense courses as well as just the regular Mm jujitsu. And it's very, very different because self-defense, especially for women, it has more to do with getting the fuck away. Yeah. make space (laughs) and, and hightail it out get out. Mm -hmm. The only thing that's different. And this is just the question that I asked over and over again, when we were going through some of the self-defense course was okay, that's awesome. But what if my child is present Mm -hmm. and I need not only to get them away and away from a threat, but I, you know what I mean? We both have to run Yeah. or let's say they have my kid and Mm -hmm. then we have to actually neutralize it. So it's like, there's just so much. And I don't feel like I'll ever fully be the best at that. Like Like, it's going to be the rest of my life. I'm going to be training for it for the rest of my life.
0: And that's a good way to
1: look at it though. You know, you're
0: constantly going to be in a state of self-improvement and just always aware. And I think just being aware in general of your, your own Self being self aware, being situationally aware, all that's just going to make you a, a better person and less of a target.
1: One hundred percent. And there's nothing, there's nothing more honestly rewarding than training that way. For me, I feel like that that changed the game for me. It's something I should have been doing my entire life as a teenage girl when I was struggling with like my identity. Mm -hmm. and playing the like, you know, anorexic, I don't eat food game and like chasing boys and hoping boys would chase me and all these things. Had I had something like that to really, really give myself a sense of achievement and a sense of purpose at such an early age, I really think it could have like changed the course of my life in a lot of ways. And that's why, you know, I, Nick and I help a lot with the, um, kids classes and he helps with the teens classes and things like that. Um, starting January 10th, um, our gym is going to be offering toddler jujitsu stuff. That's great. It's just jujitsu play yeah. to kind of get them like understanding terminology, yeah. teaching them how to listen to instructions and mm-hmm. play on the mat. It's not anything that's like, there's no actual wrestling or jujitsu involved because it's, it's, it's just it's, it's, toddlers. Yeah, but it's an intro to it to really help them pique their interests and see if they have an interest in it and so I'm going to be teaching that with some of my friends one of my girlfriends is um a gymnast and she's a cop and so she's yeah she does jujitsu we train together so she's going to be teaching the kids and I'm going to be helping her and I'm just so excited about I don't think I've ever been so excited about something in a long time because it's just Uh very very cool but That's great. I think
0: that uh, incorporating jujitsu as a teenager, it's like I think of like teenage girls, like that's got to be such an invaluable tool for your self confidence and to help with self esteem issues and to just give yourself value And to think about things in a different manner than just being self-absorbed with, like you said, boys and appearance and trying to be skinny and keep up with the Joneses. It's, it's such a humbling art that there's no better way to, to
1: build you up than to break you down first. Absolutely. I, and I, and you know, it's, it's awesome that it's a fitness tool, right? You're, you're getting in shape when you're doing it, but like. That's just, that's just the icing on the cake because it's so much more. And, and I try to express that to all my girlfriends when I try to pull them in. It's It's gotta be so great for anxiety too. Oh my God. Yeah. So that's probably one of the number one things that I've accomplished and overcome in the last two years is just, I've always struggled with anxiety. I'm somebody that was on anxiety medication and, you know, dealt with, you know, the point I did a podcast with my husband last week where we talked about it. I was at a place where I literally threw up every single day for a couple of years from anxiety and just not being able to handle my body's response to stressful situations. Mm -hmm. And it's literally like you're putting yourself in the most stressful situation possible and teaching yourself how to calm the fuck down.
0: Yeah. It's a the big
1: time desensitization and just exposure therapy at its highest form. And then that mixed with, I mean, the other thing that we've been doing that's really, really helped a ton is, um, you know, just cold therapy with ice baths and stuff. Mm. So we have a cold plunge now, but even before we got that the last yep. couple of years, we really been working on that. And that is like, gives your central nervous system just like an absolute shock. Yes. And it's like the same exact feelings I've experienced having a panic attack. Like it feels the same when you get into a cold tub. Oh it's yeah. Like, <gasps> mm-hmm. You're just like, oh my God, oh my God. And um working yourself through that and taking control of your thoughts. Yeah, calming yourself down. Definitely. All that. Oh, I have such a love-hate
0: relationship with, with cold plunge. You know, I used to do that after my workouts. You know, we'd bring the the stock tank out into the parking lot, fill it up with the hose, put your bags of ice in and, you know, coach tosses you in and you sit there with full. Yeah. It's like a full panic attack of like, "Ah!" like can't even breathe. Can't like, everything is just like all at once, every feeling and emotion that you could possibly feel, but nothing feels better than when you get out. Right, nothing feels better than when you get out. That endorphin rush, that sense of accomplishment, knowing that you just conquered those couple of minutes that you spent in that water, and you did something good for yourself. I mean, you feel great for the rest of the day. So, I'm a huge proponent of it, and I'm horrifically jealous of the cold plunge tub that you have. It is that is like, (laughs) oh, oh, that's like the nicest. It is is so nice. Love, (laughs) like you
1: said, love hate. Love hate. Yep. Like it's here. And so I can't like be like, well, I have to go yeah. get ice yeah. or well, I have... <laughs> it's like <laughs> so that's the no way, way to do it. Have it get ready. <laughs> no excuses. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> now, do you do uh-huh. any um any heat therapy, like any like infrared sauna or regular sauna or anything like that?
1: Yeah, we have an infrared sauna, and I can honestly say, like every little ounce of Anything that I've ever picked up, even when I, I got COVID, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff, I like, <laughs> I can't say for sure the science behind it because I am not a doctor, but yeah. I got in there and sweated out every day and it was gone in three days.
0: Fantastic. I mean, the, the whole I did not science behind any- the, the heat shock proteins, I mean, it's there. And especially if you're doing alternating with your heat shock and your cold shock, I mean, you are, revving your body to like maximum potential.
1: So, yeah, we do that. And then we have a hot tub as well. So we kind of just set up our life, you know, all, people act like, Oh, that stuff's so expensive. And it's like, well, yeah, it's expensive, but so is all the other bullshit that people spend money on that. We don't. It's so it's, it's for like
0: your, it's for your health and your wellness. You're not spending it on going out to the bars every weekend and on, you know, going clubbing and this and that, like this is money that you're investing into yourself for your recovery. Um, And anybody that is a part of, you know, a fitness journey, knows or should know just how important your recovery is. It's just as important, almost, if not more important than what you're actually doing in the gym. You need to have good sleep. You need to have, you know, good practices with mobilization and heat therapy, cold therapy, all of those things. So I'm a huge proponent of investing in your health and being
1: preventative. hundred percent. I'm gonna... sorry. It looks like I'm like losing complete light here. I'm in the dark. <laughs> Your face is I'm still illuminated like... here. <laughs> okay, good. I'm like trying to figure out how to turn the light on because it's everything's on hue. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know how to turn this light on in this office. It doesn't have like a <laughs> switch anymore. No worries. We're still looking okay. Um, okay. So
0: what do you guys do anything for supplementation? Any kind of supplements? So... That you love.
1: Um, so Nick is sponsored by BPN and, and so that's pretty much all we have as far as supplements go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, t- you know, gotten to the place where I think, honestly, as soon as I'm done with having a kid, we're going to try to, to put another embryo in sometime this year and have another mm-hmm. baby. Excellent. As soon as I am through that process, I will probably, depending on what my body needs, get back on testosterone and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get on it for a while and I loved the way that it made me feel. I loved having, um, the recovery and all the benefits of that. And, you know, Nick is on with core med. So we, we do, um, he is on testosterone, but I am not currently just because we don't want to mess with my system before we do another yeah just IVF system friend.
0: optimize go back to factory settings. <laughs> yeah. Get all ready. I was like I'll I'll
1: get back on everything. <laughs> yes. Whenever I'm done but oh, I yeah. just don't want to mess anything up cuz it is so like there's like a you know they when you do IVF they they do a full panel and then they have to put you on like every fertility drug imaginable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, you're like a walking explosion of emotion at all times. (laughs) Yeah. You
0: are fully biohacked at that moment. That's for sure. (laughs) No, testosterone is so great. And not just for men. Um, you know, a lot of women are finally starting to realize the benefits of utilizing testosterone because like we have it, it's one of our hormones too. You know, it's the predominant one in men, but it's still super important for us and how we feel and how we function and recover and our mental health and our sex drives and everything. It's so important for that too. So I love hearing about women that are not just perimenopausal utilizing testosterone.
1: I was on it even in like my early thirties, just, just, I got recommended to start taking it and it was phenomenal. I've never, I've never understood fully how, like, men can train as much as they do and as hard as they do and not feel like shit. Cause I yeah. was like, man, I feel like I'm gonna pass out. I like if I'm doing the same cycle of training as a guy and I just am like, I'm gonna crash and burn. And I was getting sick all the time, yeah. like colds and flus and stuff like that. And I was like, geez, what is my deal? Well, so I got on testosterone and realized like how obviously low mine was at the time because it made it to where I was able to recover like immediately the next morning I was ready to go again Mm -hmm. like just felt phenomenal so I do think it's kind of leveled out since I've had a kid and everything because I don't feel um, as wiped as I used to Mm -hmm. but like I would love to get back on it as soon as as soon as I'm done with all this that's great
0: so you guys plan on doing one more or potentially a little bit more of a clan?
1: I think one is good just because yeah. you know, I'm 37. I'm about to be 38. I'm not trying to like win any awards <laughs> for the oldest <laughs> mom in the planet, but I do. I, I do just absolutely love it. I'm not the hardest part for me about being pregnant. I mean, obviously like when you do IVF and stuff, they make you take a bunch of, of like hormones all yeah. the way to like 10 like weeks. Shit. You just feel like you're going to like throw up every five seconds. Like yeah. just nauseous the whole time. I didn't care. Cause I was so excited to be pregnant. Yeah. But like the hardest part about pregnancy for me was just the end being fat. I was just like, I can't stand being this fat anymore. <laughs> I'm like, I feel horrible because I'm huge. Aww. But uh, you know, it really is true. Like, it just comes right back off. Like Mm -hmm. if you're training and taking care of yourself throughout, you can really just turn right back around and get it right the fuck off. It's not like, I mean, in my opinion, I got bigger than I should have for the last one, but honestly I started heavier than I was should have. I was like 20 pounds overweight when I got pregnant. Part of that was just, Dealing with all the IVF stuff in the beginning, and I just yeah. wasn't really like, I was just not being real um, purposeful with my calories and things like that. It'll be super so interesting was, to
0: see how you go with this course, you know, going into it yeah. with such a different um, just physical composition and training regimen, and just like, ev- I mean, everything start to finish. I feel like you're going to have. Like you're just like set up to succeed and, you know, yes. just
1: kick ass with this. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited to do it again because I'm excited for the outcome. Right. But like, yeah. I'm not excited to be huge, but I love the result. So yeah. will be so great. Oh, well, back way up to before we had our
0: glitch in our recording about looking good naked. You have also accomplished that by competing in your first, um, bikini competition this year. Like, hell
1: yeah, girl. That was awesome. To I, watch so you know what? Process. We had a failed IVF attempt in March and I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I, I want to take a break. <laughs> yep. I'm tired of, of shots and injections and all yep. the crap that you have to do. I said, I just want to take the next, you know, eight months or whatever. And just get in the best shape of my life and focus on that for a little bit and not focus awesome. on all that. Yep. So I did it cause I've always wanted to do it. And I dropped like, uh, all in all, it was like 30 something pounds of fat Good for you. And I kept my muscle on, which was incredible. Um, and I can honestly say like, it was a great experience, but I honestly loved the process more than the actual doing it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, When it comes to competing, like jujitsu competitions for me are just like the end all be all. Like I can lose and get my ass beat. And I'm still like, that was so much fun. Oh, my God. God. I loved it. But for Mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to be like disrespectful to the people who do these as a sport, because like bikini competitions, fitness competitions, it is hard fucking work. So anybody who does this for real, like don't take this the wrong way. But like, I really loved training for it more than doing it. Yeah, it wasn't so much as satisfying as. Yeah, it's like, especially for somebody who has any sort of like body issues, like from their past. I mean, like, you, oh, you are couldn't stay- pay me enough.
0: Oh my God. I give you so much credit for doing that. I give you so much credit. Like, that has
1: to be so just mentally difficult to do. It is hard because you are staring at your body every single day. Yeah. And like, what was, what was sucked about it the most, I think, is that like I looked better than I ever looked in my whole life, but I yep. still was looking at myself. So I wasn't even enjoying it because I'm like, yeah. I'm like, holy shit, there's like six ounces of like too much water here. I've got to dry out. Why? You know, like you're obsessing over like these tiny little things on your body that like normally you would never give a shit about because it's like happy for your progress. Right. And instead you're like, I have to stand next to all these women. I have to flex my ass off. I need to look (laughs) better than I look right now, you know? Yeah. And then when you get up to do it, it's like you're there all day. It's an eight hour day. You're on stage and you're bucking in your underwear and heels. It's freezing cold. You don't have any body fat to keep you warm. Mm -hmm. You're starving because you can't eat or drink anything all day. (laughs) (laughs) It's torture.
0: (laughs) Yep. No, I mean, I know, I know quite a few, um, Women and a couple of men that have gone through the, you know, the process of competing in bodybuilding in one way or another, whether it's bikini or figure or you know any of those, and honestly, like ninety nine percent of them, when all is said and done, all say the same thing of being like, I love the fitness aspect of it. I loved getting in shape, but what killed them was. The mental mind fuck of the body dysmorphia that it creates, even when you're at your peak and you've never been better, you're still so hypercritical of yourself that they all kind of took a step back and were like, I can't do this anymore for my own mental health. Like I love working out. I love being healthy, but like taking it to that next level was just
1: like really mentally difficult to to keep swallowing over and over. Exactly. And, and then, and then knowing that like you're going in and you're looking at the people around you and you're judging them and you too. Like, yeah. do I look better than they do? You know, that's just mm-hmm. gross.
0: Totally. It's like, totally. And you know what? That bridges into aesthetics really well too, because in my world of aesthetics and injectables and lasers and everything that we do with skincare, it's easy for some people to get obsessive about it. Like, I do it for my living and, you know, I can, I'd say probably two or three years into practicing, I couldn't look at anybody in my life, anybody that I passed in the store without figuring out their Botox units in my head, you know? And like, of course, part of it is just, you know, it's what I do. I'm used to assessing faces, But like, it was starting to drive me crazy. And I'm like, this isn't healthy that all my eyes are doing is fixating on symmetry and volume loss and wrinkles and skincare and spots and everything. And I took like a step back from things and I changed the way that I practice, you know, aesthetic medicine now. And it's not about perfection. It's not about, you know, every single patient being perfect. And we have to fix every little thing. Like it's not about that. And I don't think that that's healthy. You know, I think it's about let's focus on the things that truly bother you and let's make those things better. And it's okay to still have a wrinkle or a smile line or a sunspot. Like it's what makes us human. And that we actually look really freaking strange if we look perfect if we are somebody in our 30s and 40s and 50s that have like not a single wrinkle on our face and just look porcelain and perfect that's weird and we're going to stand out in a very strange way to people that's going to look very alien and very mannequin like and not human so i actually like now some of the little imperfections and it's about balancing people's expectations for aesthetics and like they want perfect don't come to me. Okay. (laughs) Like, it's just what it is. It's not my aesthetic eye anymore. I've changed how I practice out of just what I think is my personal responsibility for ethics and doing this ethically and doing it responsibly for people and trying to set the right tone for expectations. And so I think that that's, you know, part of it, you know, we can look at fitness and bodybuilding and everything and focus on being so perfect or focus on a couple of things that just make us better and feel good. And once we feel good, we can, you know, continue to maintain and work on other things that are going to make us better and healthier without shooting for like that constant
1: need for perfection. That's, that's a great way to put it. Cause it's like, ultimately and I'm so thankful for your help, by the way, because I, I sent her pictures and I'm like, what would you do to my face? <laughs> do virtual it? consultations. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't know. You know, it's, it's like, you don't really know what you don't know. So like, you just know you look different, mm-hmm. you know, you're aging and you don't really know what's like in my mind. I'm like, I don't exactly know what's changed. Yep. I mean, obviously I have wrinkles. That's obvious. Right but I don't really know what exactly has changed and why my face looks different. And yeah, I what's don't the cause? know exactly. Yeah. How do I, how do I fix this? I just yes. want it to look healthy again. I feel totally. like it looks dreary. And <laughs> I think that
0: skin health is so important. And I, that's another thing that I've really kind of refocused my commitment to my patients with is it's like enough with like just jumping straight to the cosmetic things. It's like, let's make your skin as healthy as it can be. Because if your skin is healthy, you're going to look healthy and younger and fresher, you know, and people aren't going to be looking at this tiny little wrinkle or a slightly, you know, a one millimeter deeper smile line that you have now than you did five years ago. So skin health is so, so important. And it's one of our organs. We need to take good care of it, sunscreen and all of that. Um, but yeah, it's like work on your skin health and then all the other rejuvenation comes and then everything else is little cherries on top that you can kind of play around with like little cheek filler. Awesome. Lip filler. Cool. But like, if we're not taking care of our skin and making our skin super healthy, like what's the point?
1: Exactly. And that's kind of part of the reason why too, like as much as you know, that the whole bodybuilding game is like amazing and I love it and all of that it can become like you, we've talked about already. It can become an obsession. It can take mm-hmm. you down a road. You don't really want to go down. If you get to that point of like, yeah. okay, I've got to be at this certain level. Yeah, You got to keep yourself my in coach. Check. It, yes. My coach was um, incredible. Her name is Allie as well. Um, and instrumental in making sure that like, m- we didn't go too low. I, my, right. I really wanted to make sure that I could check my hormones at any point in the journey and make sure that I was still normal, everything yeah. was still balanced. Yeah. And I was still having periods and all of exactly. that because I had so many girlfriends who had quit having their periods. This essentially means they're malnourished, mm-hmm. you know, and like, they just want to look a certain way so bad that they don't really care at what cost. Yeah. And so we really tried to, we did a deep dive with a deficit in the beginning, and then we brought my calories back up. So mm-hmm. by the end of it, I really wasn't in an uncomfortable place. My deficit wasn't so uncomfortable that I was like hurting. It was really okay. It was just Amazing. like, yeah, I was able to function still. And that was what was most important to me. Yeah. I didn't care as much about winning as I did about making sure I was okay. Okay. And could still have kids at the end of the journey. Yeah, you know right.
0: I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. come on now. Nope, that's super important. And if you even look at bodybuilding, you know, like that was your sport that you just competed in and competed for and prepped for. I mean, if you look at like UFC or wrestling or kickboxing or anything, anything that somebody needs to like make weight for. If you are like, uber dieting down at the bottom, like now it's performance day, you're going to crash and burn and you're not going to be able to perform and you're not going to be able to be your best because you're so depleted. It's like, if you feel like you did it the right way of like, okay, nice stepwise down, still be able to, you know, work out and maintain. Like I highly doubt you needed a chaperone at the end to make sure that you stayed upright and weren't passing out left and right. Like I've heard stories of before, you know? So like, your coach that's did crazy. it right with you and keeping you healthy and keeping you supported, you know, nutritionally throughout the whole process. So that's awesome to hear because you don't oftentimes hear about, you know, really intelligently
1: done bodybuilding coaching. So like hats off to her. Fantastic. I know. I think people, if they would have known how many calories I was eating at the end would have been like, what the hell <laughs> like, jealous. How in the world? <laughs> I yeah. Like, that's sorry. Awesome.
0: <laughs> So to back up into some aesthetic stuff, um, if you're comfortable chatting with us about it, what are some of the things that you've you've done?
1: Yeah, so hold on. Let me see if I can turn the slide on. Hey, Google, turn the kitchen, turn the office lights to white. All right,
0: changing two lights to white. Is that better?
1: <laughs> okay, so I, I've had um, pretty much everything you told me to get done, I had done good girl. Um, yeah I know <laughs> I mean I have still like you know some like we talked about some skin spots and stuff mm-hmm. I was one of those women that was just like all through the 90s and into the 2000s like in tanning beds every oh, yeah. other day like yeah I love the sun I and lay out on the beach and- you know <gasps> dude I was like I I need to be in the sun as much as possible thanks so I've been in the sun as much as possible, like yeah. completely baked my skin off. So I still have some skin spots and stuff that we've dealt with, but I've done um, a chemical peel. I've done on um, the IPL, uh, the IPL. frequent. what's the one where? I'm sorry, I'm so bad at this. This did is gonna, radio you're frequency. Have to help me. Yes, and I did the needle Yep. yep with so awesome frequency yep. yes I I get Botox done pretty regularly. I need to get some more done, but I've done it all through here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I've done lip filler and I've done filler through here on both sides
0: mm-hmm.
1: um I've had breast augmentation um I think that's it. But the one thing that I've like been back and forth about is because I do have really like hooded eyelids. And as I get older, they start to kind of like droop and stuff like that. And I've noticed, that, you, know, <laughs> you know, it's like a thing. So one of the things that my in, like injector has done is really focused on this spots up here that can kind of help lift, mm-hmm. do almost like a little brow lift naturally yep. with the Botox. Um, and that helps a lot. I need, like I said, I need to get it done again. Cause I can start to see some movement, but like yep. I try to keep that going pretty regularly. And then, um, the filler pretty regularly. The one thing I've, you know, noticed that I like a lot is when they inject in the filler into my cupid's bow. Yeah, So it's maintains that lip line. That yep. makes a big difference to me.
0: Totally. I really like, I love Not even like love what you're doing for a nice, well rounded you know, skincare, preventative, anti-aging, you're hitting it with IPL lasers to help with pigmentation, which I also just love for skin health, because sometimes you can get rid of some precancerous things with that, you know, so great for overall skin health and decreasing your risk for skin cancer, doing radiofrequency microneedling, you're hitting your collagen and elastin. You're also helping just regulate a lot of different growth factors in your skin, which is going to help with pigmentation, with pores, with skin quality. I mean, you name it, you're hitting it. Botox, perfect for hitting the dynamic line. So anywhere that's being caused by muscle movement, I'm pretty fully kicked in. So I don't have too much going on here. Uh, and then doing some filler. Filler is great because we're going to start to lose volume. I mean, we're going to start to lose volume in our 20s. After you hit age 20, 21, you're losing about 1% of collagen every year. So now that we're in our you know mid, late 30s, we're seeing more collagen loss. Did you notice um, any changes in your facial volume as you were losing weight? going through your prep?
1: Yes, but honestly, like the biggest the biggest like difference I found in my face changing as far as volume and everything was being pregnant and and then I I know everybody says it and I don't even understand why, but after mm-hmm. you have a kid, your face changes so much and everybody yeah. says that. So like obviously I didn't do any botox while I was pregnant, so I went mm-hmm. that whole time without it and so that was just like atrocious in and yeah. of itself. <laughs> I was like, "Wow." Ah. Both the pregnancy and breastfeeding. So I didn't do anything during those times. And then, so after that, and then losing all that weight from having a baby was when I was just like, holy cow, what do I do with my face?
0: Yeah. A lot of people lose volume here in the buckle fat area.
1: We'll lose it in temples. So I noticed more of a big change at that point than I did when I just lost weight for the show. Because obviously, Because I, I think I was at that point from where I was, when I started my cut, I'd already gotten a ton of stuff done because I had the baby done with breastfeeding and I started doing all the work on my face. So then once I slipped into like losing weight for the show, Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like it looked horrible. No, not at all. Really more drastic postpartum.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, that makes sense. just like a lot bigger fluid shifts too.
1: And, and what. I mean, I, oh man, I just, I, I don't know exactly. We probably should have a consult about it before I do it again. But like, if there's anything preemptive you can do, you know, when you're about to get pregnant versus when you are pregnant and how you can address kind of that, some of that stuff that's going to change with your face. Yeah. So
0: some things that you can do to kind of prep your skin for pregnancy, um, is, you know, one, get on a really good daily skincare regimen. Um, and sometimes that's even getting prepared with a regimen that you can maintain while you're pregnant and breastfeeding, because a lot of skincare products you can't use during that time because of certain ingredients in them. They just, they don't vibe with babies. Um, So it's finding a really good, high quality medical grade regimen that you can maintain throughout. A lot of the products that I love, like from Zio Skin Health, you can't use while you're pregnant because a lot of what Zio has contains retinols and salicylic acid. So there's, Certain products that you can get started on, get your skin comfortable with it, Um, hitting yourself with some good microneedling, whether it's the microneedling with radio frequency or just basic skin pen style microneedling with PRP, with exosomes, anything like that. Do a series. Um, With you, you have the benefit of like knowing when you're going to do your embryo transfer. So like you can be doing these things right up and being like, all right, that's going to be the day. You know, in these months leading up to, I've got my skin optimized because each time that you're going to do a collagen stimulating procedure, you're going to get that stimulation for about six months afterwards. So if you get microneedled or lasered, you know, right before you do your embryo transfer or, you know, plan on getting pregnant, I mean, you've got some good collagen stimulation happening through a good chunk, you know, two thirds of your pregnancy. So you're already kicking ass with that. Um, you know, I, when it comes to botox there's a ton of women that get botox and then find out they're pregnant afterwards you know so i don't know what the data would be on like okay oh i got my botox done in january and i got pregnant in february you know technically yes that molecule is still in your body and i think the ideal recommendations would be is if you are trying to get pregnant to not be doing some of those procedures um, you know, because Botox is going to stay in your body for about three months. Um, with that being said, I don't think anything drastically horrible has happened with those people because I mean, it's like people that, you know, drink, you know, they're not trying to get pregnant, you know, they're going out, having a glass of wine on the weekend and then find out they're pregnant odds are it's going to be okay, but there's no data on these things because it's, we can't test on pregnant women, especially with elective cosmetic things. Um, same with filler can't, can't do it. Fillers probably okay. But again, it's hard. No, from me, if somebody's pregnant or breastfeeding, not going to happen. Um, but doing, you know, doing your collagen stimulation, microneedling, all of that, perfectly good. Leading up to maximize your collagen. If you really want to knock it out of the park, I adore Sculptra. So Sculptra is an injectable and it's a biostimulator. So it's going to cause your body to create its own collagen. And it's a global type of a treatment where we're going to treat kind of the temple area. We'll hit the cheeks, the preauricular space, back through here. We'll do it in through the smile lines. It really depends on where we're seeing volume loss in that particular patient. We do it about once every six weeks for somebody in their thirties. We're gonna do it probably two to three times, Um, spaced every six weeks. And then you're gonna see final collagen stimulation from that about three months later. That's a long-lasting natural type of a fill. So because it's not a true filler, when it's in your body, it's polyelectic acid. Um, it's gonna stimulate your body to make its own collagen. So you're gonna volumize naturally. And so it's going to be a lot more natural looking and it's going to last you for over two years. So that's a really nice way to wow. prep your, your face, um, to get kind of volumized and to improve the quality of your skin as well before, and there'll be no detrimental effects while you're pregnant with that, but it'll carry you through, you know, a couple years with that. So you're good while you're pregnant, you're good while you're breastfeeding and probably good even a little bit after that too. So Sculptra is one of my favorite things and it's that's awesome, amazing. Awesome I procedure. need to find that. Somebody yeah. does hear that.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Sculpture is fantastic.
0: And sculpture is nice because you not only get volume out of it, you're also going to get improvements in your skin quality too. So you'll get like what I call the sculpture glow where your skin gets really glowy and just looks super healthy. It looks like you've done all these amazing things to your skin and all you did was get injected.
1: It's awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's, you know, after, cause you go through that period of like you, you gain a bunch of weight, you lose a bunch of weight, you're breastfeeding and you just kind of look like you're losing all your hair. Yeah, <laughs> You're losing all of like your skin's like dull and because you're the baby's eating all your nutrients and you just exactly. start looking like terrible. Suck and then the I go and you. got everything done. It's like the day <laughs> I stopped breastfeeding, I had an appointment for Botox. I was like, yep. Yeah. A I'm lot like, of patients that go. do that. They're
0: like, I stopped yesterday. I'm
1: like, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> And it's amazing because then like within a month, everybody was like, what did you do to your face? It looks amazing. Your face has changed so much. Like it I'm has like, its own nutrition back. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it, duh. It oh, looks amazing funny. now I'm back on, the tr- on track.
0: Oh, that's great. Uh, <laughs> All right. So what I want to do with you is some of my quick fire questions. So these are kind of like okay. modeled after um, like the the Vogue magazine. Give me the first thing that comes off your mind. And that doesn't need to be anything super intricate. Some of them are very, okay, very good. All right. What's your favorite color? Green. Coffee or tea? Coffee. How do you take it?
1: I honestly love nitro.
0: Mm, I love nitro too, because I don't
1: have to put any cream and sugar or anything in it. It's yeah. just like kind of creamy, you know, mm-hmm, totally. What's your I favorite nitro cake? I love, Oh, did you, I want to
0: get one. I almost got one for Christmas
1: this year. And I was like, no, 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 no enough. It's, uh, I'll oh. send you the one. It's so good. It's so good.
0: Awesome. What's your favorite breakfast or way to start the day?
1: So honestly, I do like strong greens in the morning with like some soda water. And I mm-hmm. do this thing. It's a vitamin C pack. It's, it's called, it's from fat muscle. It's a brand. I, I like it. Cause it's just, it's super tangy and tart. I drink Ooh. that first before coffee or anything. Yep. And then for breakfast every day, I have oatmeal with protein powder. <laughs> hmm.
0: I love
1: that. That's actually, I do it sort of like, um, have you ever had like, do you have a cake pop maker or anything? Mm, mm-hmm. So I mix it. I mix protein powder with oatmeal and a half a cup of water and I make like a paste with it. Yep. And then I put it in the cake pop maker and I make these little oatmeal good balls. Idea. I used to take so um,
0: protein powder and mix it in with plain Greek yogurt.
1: Oh yeah. Yep.
0: I can That's put protein powder in anything. Yeah. It's <laughs> everything better. Uh, what's, what do you think is like one of the worst social media trends right now?
1: I mean, it's just hard. Cause it's like, I saw this thing yesterday and it's like so terrible, but it was actually kind of funny, but like, it's a teenager thing that they're doing on TikTok, mm-hmm. where they're telling like a group of family members, like older family members oh, that, that somebody someone- died. <laughs> died <laughs> I saw that they were like she's Oprah died <laughs> at 60 whatever and like at their parents like they did it to their mom and they told their mom that like John Stamos died and she started crying and I'm like oh my god that's horrible <laughs> it's probably the worst
0: uh, um, what's your favorite social media trend right now
1: I love 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 the reels and how much everybody's getting like to tell stories with them. Yeah. Like even the end of year stuff with like 2022, everybody's showing kind of the highlights of their year and yep. sharing their wins. I, it makes me like want to cry. I'm like, that's so awesome. You did everybody's so much highlight reel.
0: <laughs> I love it. What's your favorite podcast? Like for just entertainment purposes.
1: Oh God. Um, I got to be honest. I don't really listen for entertainment. Almost every podcast I listen to is like self work, whatever. Yeah. So it's hard for me to say for entertainment purposes. But I. What's do your favorite, like really... self development one? There's one by Dr. Caroline Leaf. She's also my favorite author, mm-hmm. and she does an exceptional podcast. Everything she does is about like brain psychology. She's mm-hmm. a neurologist mm-hmm. and a psychologist. Oh, very cool. So that's very good. It's my favorite.
0: Hmm. What's your favorite book of all time? Well,
1: also tough. Because I love I love so many books, like it's hard for me to go, okay, this is my favorite like story. I'm not really a fiction reader either. Mm. I I love self-help books. Read with <laughs> like purpose. <a> lot. <laughs> so I have same thing, Dr. Caroline Leaf, there's one she wrote called Switch on Your Brain and I really love that. Um, I also love, um, like boundaries. There's a book called boundaries by Dr. Jim Richards, and it's kind of about like putting up personal boundaries and relationships and how healthy it is for us to like, learn how to draw lines for ourselves. I, again, I not like a, like when I want to entertainment, I like watch movies and stuff like,
0: well, that everything leads right into the next one.
1: <laughs> yeah. What is your
0: favorite movie?
1: Okay, Shawshank Redemption. So good. So good. so good, Classic. So good. I love that, and I love the movie Frida. Frida mm-hmm. Kahlo. Mm-hmm. They don't have anything. There's no similarities. They're just totally different. Not at all. I love them both. <laughs>
0: is it a crayon or a crayon? Crayon. Is it a pecan <laughs> or a pecan?
1: con who's
0: your favorite musical <laughs> artist or solo
1: or we can extend oh, that's it another one con right music. yeah i have probably five but i'm gonna go with bonnie Raitt because mm-hmm. i love blues and yep. so bon it's between bonnie Raitt, stevie ray vaughn and probably a newer generation would be tedeschi trucks band mm, fun. Do
0: you have a favorite non-musical artist? And I extend that into photography as
1: well. Uh, Frida Kahlo as well. I love her super creepy art style.
0: Favorite. And Diego Rivera, honestly, her husband. Mm. Your
1: favorite food or favorite meal? So that's tough because like there's one that's like, this is my favorite food to eat every day that I can't eat. And then this is my favorite like <laughs> bullshit that I can't eat. <laughs> so my favorite food that I don't get to eat every day is just dirty ass like Mexican food, like mm-hmm. greasy American, Mexican yeah, guacamole, chips, yeah. you know, all, <laughs> of it. all of it. But what I love that I literally could eat every day is fish. I love, love, love like ahi, salmon, and I could eat it every meal. Love that.
0: Let's see here. What's your
1: favorite place to visit? Probably Greece. Mm. Where in Greece do you guys go? Um, my husband's family is from Lutraki and it's like an hour from Athens. And it might be because you know, we go every year and it's family's there. So like, you know, you get to do the experience not as a tourist. Yeah. It might be why. Because like I've gone a lot of lot of countries and a lot of places and has been a tourist. And I love to travel almost like an exchange student. Like mm-hmm. I want to plug in and be a part of their culture yeah. and not do anything touristy. Immersion yourself I in it. Yeah. I want everybody to speak their language to me and me have to figure out what's going on. (laughs) What was your favorite class in high school or college? Well, in college, I went to film school and so everything was my favorite. I loved film school. So everything was cool. In high school, (laughs) I I was just lucky that I was there. (laughs) Be happy I showed up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who's
0: your role model?
1: Ooh, God, I don't want to be super cheesy, but oh, I can't even, you can't even play this for the public. I feel like, cause everybody's going to make fun of me. I honestly feel like it's my husband. He's so amazing. Um, I feel like it's my husband because of how hard he works to be better. Mm. And when he's a, sh- being a shit bag. He's like, I'm being a shit bag. I need to do better. I'm sorry. He and like owns
0: his shit baggery. That's important.
1: Yes. Yes. And we've been through so much shit baggery, both of us. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just never quits. He really doesn't quit. And he's been through so much personal stuff with people. And I've never met anybody who works so hard to get better and what and like the worst of the worst you know how it is like I don't know if you've met people that like legit work on their childhood trauma Mm -hmm. and legit work on like their baggage oh yeah he legit has worked on his shit (laughs) like I can't even express it's made me go okay what else can I do to be better because I am like need to work on my shit you know that's great though. Like that's the way that it should be is that you can just
0: motivate each other without being up each other's asses about it. Like you need to, it's like, no, I can take responsibility for myself and want to be better and work on myself. And that motivates other people to want to be their best versions. That's awesome
1: it's crazy, but it's good. It's, it is, yeah. it's amazing. Cause it's so much, it is like, it's just lots of uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. And like, I think one of the things that like, if a marriage is going to work and be good, it requires communication, right? Mm-hmm. If a marriage is going to work and be like really good, it requires like exponential Uncomfortable conversations yep. about stuff that you didn't want to ever talk about. Yep. Getting super comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah.
0: Yep. Well, my last question here is what everybody wants to know chocolate or vanilla?
1: Chocolate. Hmm. 100%. And my husband loves vanilla. well that's good then you don't have to worry about him stealing your chocolate right it's really true yeah (laughs) I'm thinking about that all the time I'm like dude I can save this like I can leave chocolate out everywhere because not a problem yeah (laughs) you don't want it
0: (laughs) and last but not least I need you to give me a side profile so everybody can be horrifically jealous of your amazing jawline
1: yes people
0: this is natural This is what she's got. You don't have it. I don't have it. Nobody's got it, but Allie, and she didn't buy it, so.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't always look like that, though. If you put on weight, it doesn't look like this. No, then it looks like this. (laughs) It's like, honestly, though, I really have seen, I feel like, the full range of what my face can look like in the last five years.
0: I'm telling you, I gained five pounds. I gained those five pounds in my face directly like do not pass go straight
1: to it mine's my ass so (laughs) i will tell you this this is what's nuts so i thought i had a fat ass this whole time and then i lost all of the fat from my bodybuilding competition and i don't have an ass at all and i was like it was like and i was like (laughs) what happened to my coach she's like yeah you need to grow your ass because that was just fat. You didn't have any muscle, muscle there. there. <laughs> so now I'm working. That's my goal right now is to build an ass back.
0: Build a booty. And so
1: I've been working, doing legs three days a week to get a butt back. There you go. Well, if anybody can do it,
0: you can. That's for sure. You set yourself Thank to you so much. I'm so excited I got to
1: talk to you. I know. Me
0: too. Me too. I miss you so much.
1: I know we had to schedule a podcast to hang out. Exactly. Up. Exactly.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me on here. And uh, this is going to be, this is going to be a quick release. Yours, yours is going to be out um, this Sunday into Monday at midnight.
1: Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. And I love you. I love I'll you see too. Soon. I might have to come up there before I get pregnant again. So you can do that. Sc- sculpa. Or yeah, let's sculpa. do it. Let's sculpture you up, girl. Okay.
0: All right. Love you. Talk to you later. Just a Pinch podcast was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Kristen Jem.